everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. You're very welcome along to LOI Central. It is uh, a fascinating season so far, and we have two fascinating characters on the show today. We're going to talk to Mark Conley, uh, the clone of Cyclone, who is leading the way at Derry City ahead of... Uh, how many people are in the title race? Maybe two, maybe three, maybe four. Definitely Shamrock Rovers and Derry City, and they clash in Tala on Friday. So we'll hear from Mark. And coming into the studio today is Decky Devine, uh, the Derry native, who, of course, has led Bohemians to uh, two victories so far uh, in the league. And uh, maybe Bows are in the title race. Uh, we'll hear from Decky on that. So, as ever, we are sponsored by. Future Ticketing and uh, Future Ticketing, obviously, with us for two and a half years now. We're also sponsored uh, by Collar and Cuff. The Collar and Cuff mailbag will be on the way very shortly. And uh, Rascals uh, Brewery in Inchicore will be giving away a lovely prize later on. We're going to give away our first Rascals prize uh, later on the show from last week. Uh, we had a great reaction to the question. So we've loads to get through and uh, we hope you enjoy the show. And uh, yeah, if you are a Go United fan, maybe I'll be in Waterford, Dan. Maybe I'll be making my return for the top of the table clash in the RSC. Do you know, we'll get to the mailbag shortly. Someone was in touch to say, has fascinating become the new interesting? And I, I was thinking about this. I was like, do I really say it that much? But I've just, you know, you did two in a minute there. You did two. Fascinating. The, fascinating characters. Fascinating. I don't know what it was. It's like, and I understand that. I'm a little bit self-conscious about saying interesting. So you're looking for mm. like intriguing, but you've gone straight for fascinating. Now, fascinating to me is a bit like, you know, it's like a David Attenborough sort of looking study of wildlife. You know, there's, there's something on a higher plane. Like interesting is like, oh man, that's, it's an interesting it's just a word. Trivia. But fascinating, fascinating is suddenly like another world, level. a lot more worldly. So like when you introduce people as fascinating characters, yeah, they're going to have to have lived a bit. Our sound, our sound guy Del Boy is off to Istanbul tomorrow. He's itching to get going, um, uh, but we're itching for action in the League of Ireland this Friday. Dan Tala's going to be Tala's going to be epic. Seven and a half thousand people sold out. Um, is it sold out already? I didn't understand. It's going to be sold out. I okay. presume anyway. And but the away fans might be. Yeah. Like, so yeah, we we call a sellout anyway, and uh, Rovers pretty much missing an entire uh, back three. Uh, Derry going there uh, full of confidence. What did you make a week two? Yeah, like storylines popping out of it. I mean, nine men rovers. Nine men rovers. Like if you look at it, there's probably three big games this Friday. I mean, I suppose there's four of his Alan Watford Galway in the first. I mean, they're all big games, but I mean, just in terms of early season meaning, like you know, we got the Shells Bows game. Um, Shells at, at home. Uh, allegedly, uh, there's a lot of uh, links going around for for Bowes tickets for the for the home end. You've got Dundalk Pats with the obvious uh, O'Donnell angle that lingers and and Dundalk's dramas. But then, like, so they're on a normal night, right? You'd be happy with either of those two fixtures as a headline, but they're actually sort of the the, the side saddle to Shamrock Rovers Derry, which, yeah, like for when you have you expect them to be the top two this year. When you have Shamrock Rovers going there without three centre halves suspended, like in a, in a sort of a you couldn't script it way, you know that they're opening two games both away from home, um, led until the dying stages in both, conceded in both, and had players sent off in in, in both of them. And I mean, I think you know the Lopez one we had a bit of feedback about it. You can debate it. Um, Daniel Cleary, I think the, the the first yellow card was contentious, but like Lee Grace and Daniel Cleary's second yellow cards, particularly Lee Grace's, I mean. You're on a book and you've no you've no excuse really, you know. Um and uh they've left themselves in a situation where Darius like, right, I know it's game three, 
I slag you off every year. We got all these messages in the, still in the mailbox this week. Very even don't read them out. But what's Johnny's taking the title race? Is it over? You know, etc., etc. But this does feel like a big game in week three because if Derry are going to seize the day this year, um, you have to strike when your opponent is weak. And uh, while Derry are without a couple themselves, Adam O'Reilly's out for a few weeks. Yeah, like I mean, three centre halves being out is a big deal. Um, and uh, we'll see what they do. Sean Gannon, come on, made a great block, actually, in the dying stages in Drada. Um, Gary O'Neill played there. Sean Hoare is injured, apparently not too far. Do you rush him back? Is that risky? I don't know. Will they do that? Um, do they play someone else? Do they go back sense? four? Do they go back four? But then, again, in the back four, like I, I can see the argument, but, but personnel-wise, okay, you can play Trevor Clark, say, at one side, and... And as a left back, and but you're still who's your centre half pairing still? Sean Gannon's probably going to have to play centre back. So, like you know, Sean Gannon's probably learned that right of the back three position quite mm. well. But to suddenly be a centre half, like when you have if like, they bring back Gary O'Neill, which I think they might, one of the back three. That, they played there last week. Yeah, anyway. so that takes him away from the midfield, which is problematic as well in a game like this where midfield is going to be. So yeah, well, he played there last week anyway. But yeah, yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's when you just tease out over the options. Um, there's, there's, they're looking for solutions. Like you know, they're looking to to fix something rather than like their first home game of the season. You want to be making a statement. Now they did beat Derry twice last year. Even if you think about that, okay, it was a dead rubber game at the end of the season. But Rovers people assumed they'd have their foot off the brake, or foot off the pedal. Sorry, because mm. they were in Europe on the Thursday and the following turn they still beat them, um, and they still have the attacking quality. That on a good day they can dictate the game further up the Rain Burks had a great start to the season. Yeah, but it's it's uh I think Derry like they have their regrets over that early season game in Tala last year. There comes a point where you've just got to go and do it. You know, and like that's um they The stars were aligned for Derry here. They were unlucky in a lot of games last season, right? But you know, the, you have to make your own look at a point. Mm. And like to win a league they have to sell and they'll notice themselves, it's not unusual. We speak to Mark Connolly, you can tell the type of character he is like they have to set their own standards, you know, and you know you have to be ruthless to win a league. And and you know, but I, I am I'm very much looking forward to it. But will we get onto our mailbag? Because we have a few. Yeah, we 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 lash into that. mailbag, and we will talk plenty about um, what happened uh, in week two as well, including uh, a rather uh, acrimonious uh, incident in Inchicore. Hey, what's the time? It's mailbag time. A big bag of electronic letters. What do we got, Dan? Yeah, so we actually had an extensive response to last week's uh, show. Um, in particular, the uh, <laughs> the issues around the dodgy box. And, a lot uh, of reaction here. LOIGV, a lot of reaction. So it, it sort of spun out into a broader debate then about the quality of the service as well. And, um, uh, for example, like Joe Leogh and, and multiple Cork fans, Declan McCormick, were pointing out that a good chunk of the first half in Derry was missed on Friday. A momentary drop in the second half has happened in a number of Cork City streams. Wayne, it's a terrible service, but the same people that don't pay would be complaining we don't have it next year. Whatever about screwing the EPL, don't screw your own. Quite a balanced point of view around this. That, like, And this is the point. We know the service is flawed, um, but we wanted to survive. Like particularly, I think what would be more vulnerable, maybe than the service overall, would be like they can't upgrade the first division stuff. We had a comment yeah. about how, uh, and I did notice this. Like that, that some of the first division coverage is very good. Even at loan is excellent. 
um, who've by the way announced their pair up at this uh, that, university yeah. we were talking about last week but then others it's like it's again it's the classic bald linesman walking down the line who distracts it you know the pixel art stuff so like it's a problem you know like Jay you know Jay McGar here need to make it into an app try to get mates to sign up but the fact it's a website they found it totally amateurish and laughed at the fact trying to cast the TV as a nightmare that is I mean the way people consume a lot of stuff I think that's a valid point Bobby Fitzgerald quality is dreadful commentators rigless in parts listening to Keen, Alan Keane calling Shamrock Rover shams so unprofessional like the partisan commentators is a part of the business I must admit that Shamson does great me a little bit but then you know that's I mean look at like that's 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 He's got a lot of volunteers really as well exactly like. exactly people aren't getting if people are being paid to do that mm. uh, you know you, you can it's a very different discussion uh Kaylin Kerwin uh, in my opinion 120 euro one-off chunk of money is a big barrier 20 euro per month opens up to anybody 16 plus to buy in and um, coming after Christmas Another point, I think, to just be awareness, like you said with direct debits, it's like the FBI's Vantage Club back in the day, like mm. people set them up and then they cancelled them at a particular stage. Mm. With good um, cause. But, I, uh, you know, th- there's there's a there's a debate point to be had there. Dylan um, McGlade's dad on as well, making basically the same point. It's substandard by way of camera, picture quality and reliability. Um, I suppose, Dan, that we've, we've come from nothing. Like, we, we, you almost take this for granted now. Like, to, you can see every League of Ireland game and 95% of the time, in my experience, it's watchable. Like, at the very least, um, and it's you can see the game. We've come a long way in a short space of time and it's still, it's 120. Quid. Yeah, I know. Like, but like, you know, we it can, can improve. Cameron Malloy uh, Mould was on to us. Conscious of this self-righteous moral guilt-shaming again. Exposure to content across all entertainment industries, music, film, etc. proves to raise profiles and indirectly generate even more revenue through merchandise, tickets, etc. We must stop bashing the ordinary punter. And look, I'm all for giving it to the man, you know, soccer, whatever. But, like, this is, this is not, like, this isn't watching a knockoff. And the woman, obviously. And the woman, of course. Yeah. This isn't about, like, a knockoff version of Brooklyn or something you're mm. watching, or some, like, you know, Hollywood movie you're watching. Like, Brooklyn? This, uh, you know, Saoirse Ronan? Like, yeah. You know, it's a well-known movie. He references, if you listen to it, music, film, etc. He's talking about how he's equating watching the League of Ireland uh, matches on a stream to, say, watching whatever, like, you know, a, a Hollywood movie or some s- sort of big sort of fight or something. My point is, it's not quite, we're at the corner shop of the market here, mm. in some respects. So yeah. it's not as valiant to be sort of, uh, you know, the demand sort of not being asked to pay this price for LOI TV. There's a slight contrast with that as opposed to not paying Sky and not paying BT for like a, an over, mm. over-the-top pay-per-view. Where there's actually a direct impact here between A and B that we can trace, you know? So I just... I, don't I like I, I'm not mad I'm not mad on board with Cameron's point there but in saying that and we, we we did we are aware of this like people are struggling financially at the moment too so what's the where is the balance where's the balance you find maybe the service needs to be better but it's the chicken and egg just more people need to buy the service to invest in the some of the technology to make it better so um it's going to be on the back of buses it, as well very it, shortly it, in Dublin it's inspired about the LYTV indeed oh yeah and oh. Uh, yeah so I got a couple of uh Images this week of LOI TV and the League of Ireland at bus stops and buses in Dublin. Well, that's going to come very shortly. Yeah, bus stop in Dalymount. But is the actual is the games going to be on screens or is it just advertisements? For it's, uh, so the two I got would have been um, there's one. The new season is here, um, which is obviously uh, it's just bus an advertisement. Stop. And then this is for LOI TV on the back of 
a Dublin airport bus. Oh, no, I thought you were suggesting that it would be on the screens. Like, that's just an advertising. I mean, Sorry, there's no yeah. harm. I, I, will, I would say, like, about advertising, I don't know, is this reflective of um, maybe any other parents out there can uh, empathise? I've been watching a lot of wheels on the bus lately, and uh, there's actually a dark... Did they, did they go dark, round and round? Actually a, you, you'd be hey. surprised how often they do go round and round. Yeah. And there's actually a like dark... Life there's, itself. A, there's a dark web of wheels of, on the bus, sort of... Uh, like, if you type in blue bus, green bus, red bus, purple bus, there's a video, it's all the same songs, but just a different coloured bus, right? But anyway, this is like... It's in, I mean, this is a whole new world. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated... Fascinating vibe. It's not interesting. It's fascinating. But in the midst of it, do you know where it goes to an ad? You watch something on YouTube. There's not a League of Ireland videos coming up in that. Um, so I don't know. Is that an argument Your related, yeah. related to me? It, it probably be, yeah. is. I would yeah. think. Yeah. But it's it's um, sort of it's sort of unnerving to be watching again like this uh, this crazy shit of like you know I don't know this rabbit and a hen on a, on a green bus and then it just cuts off to someone talking about Cork City it's no harm if someone pointed out there was a billboard in Inchicore and then it didn't have a Pats player on it and there's these little details mm. just need to be but again I'd imagine there's a spending but, but that's LOA TV um, a lot on that uh, Paul Monroe I wanted to get through a couple of these would you like to see the proper well thought out introduction of the EA Sports or League Cup uh, seems silly running playing for two, two trophies countrywide so you have this nonsense Leinster Senior Cup still going on. I know there's a bit of a cultish thing the about Leinster Senior Cup. During the week I, well. I, I mean, it's the niche of the niche. And I know there's something a little bit ironic about it. Um, but there's got to be a better way. Now, I was half thinking about this, that the GEA have their pre-season competitions that build the buzz. But then does that is that in danger of hitting your opening day spike in crowds? Like, would there be some value? Yeah. Now that we're paying in pre-season now, could you maybe put some of the competitions into pre-season? Like, I think the Leinster Senior Cup or the League Cup for me, we have a big issue in this country where players at under 19 level have nowhere to go. Absolutely. So if you had this competition where there was strict age limits within it, you have to pay X amount of, like the Chequete Trophy in, in, the, in the UK, where it's sort of half under 23 or under 21, and you can play a couple of senior players. Now, that diminishes it in some ways, mm. but in terms of the development piece where we're trying to, keep more players they're, they're allowing overage players to, to still play at under 19 level a couple so they might help a couple of them stay in the game like maybe there's something here with this um, I don't know Garrett Dubai Barry and I mean a few other PJM a few messages about this why are we still having league games on Mondays again that ties in with it the season is still our season is still relatively short mm. uh, relatively we're now paying a lot of the way around I think that's just the simple answer. That's why it is. Yeah, first Monday around longer, the fixtures next Monday. Longer season. We have a double header this week. Uh, G Sung had a question about how often players are drug tested post match. I'd like to go into this again. Not too often, to be honest. Or not not like you've seen. We should focus on this in episode. This I'd like year. to talk about it again. Another um, day. Anecdotally, it's something that's yeah that's been brought up that it's it's not extensive. Uh, Owen Doherty seeing as Johnny says he only works two or three days a week and Dan only needs six hours sleep not anymore pal uh, when will the show go twice a week <laughs> imagine absolutely no chance <laughs> well, we'll once is too much we'll stick, we'll stick with one uh, I, I want to summarise Donald Donnelly Eamon Gallagher Joseph Evan a foul out boy great name all in touch about the referee and a lot of yellow cards last week we're yes. going to have a refereeing themed guest soon okay yeah. so I've someone lined up to come into us Let's do that then. The new okay. Nordy lad. Um, no, it's not him. No. This is again, this is why I don't go twice a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, 
there was a various Sligo correspondents pointing out we do have a Haitian player in the league. Pascal Million was here already. So uh, yeah, and, and and was it Reggie Newtimir as well? Um, ex Galway United had Haitian links as well. There we go. We've had a couple. Um, Fergal J asking with true Cork Bows figures were per uh, the TV affected by high tens. I'm not so sure that they were. I've heard it was reasonably in line with last year the average and stuff. So I don't think so. I um, honestly couldn't care less about TV at the moment. It's like the the league does not need RT at all. Really, I I genuinely believe that. There was talk of a game being on Monday but it might have been going to news now that didn't happen um, and probably yeah social media has been I, the, I, I the driver think, in I, my ma- view I think it matters in our it world matters, but in it's our, Johnny in our world we consume it all but I think the broader the broader public you still need the stories out there Brian Dorney and several others about the whole Shelburne and Dock love triangle even Brian says the whole walk uh, you know asked about drugs walking away from Hull I think it was actually the other way around I think Hull yeah. uh, goes to draw the better point but um, Dundalk have now moved on from that I think the Liamer Senior comments just kill that really uh, amongst other things Hull like Dundalk were sort of wary about speaking about it and then Hull are, are they, they, they preempted that yeah. so uh, I think to then, Hull and back then you have like the Turkish Simon Cowell as he's called in, in Richmond Park on Friday there was a lot going on what was the contentious episode in Richmond well, Park well obviously Tim Clancy and Damien Duff so oh, it's the like, case, yeah. well, well, it was like, I mean, I I think you know there was a suggestion that um, you know there was there was an incident afterwards where Damien Duff essentially didn't go to shake his hand. I wasn't that game, no, that, but that, that sounds that definitely like happened. I, I I don't know what this is about. Um, well, we do know, like last year, there was massive tension between the two benches, so it didn't surprise me at all. Yeah, but I mean, what's what's going on here? Like, just man up and just like shake hands and get on with it. Like, I, I don't know what Damien Duff's not on the show today, but maybe he was frustrated that they lost a game that sounded like nothing much happened in it and they lost. And obviously, it wasn't a great start season for Shells. Uh, you wrote an interesting article, interesting last week about um, yeah, Shells. Shells. Because with Jerry Young, um, Jerry asking here what happens for Shells without investment. I think, yeah, like I, I looked into this, uh, the Shells situation, um, the Sport Republic. Sport Republic, interestingly, is part of the interest. Like I think part of their work with Chelsea commissioned to do, um, they got someone to look at like f- to analyze fifty games, uh, and that also included Shamrock Rovers European games, and they concluded from that the amount of money it would take to, to get to yeah to to get to yeah. a certain level to get a return was it was just too much for them, and then also the stadium. The training pitch. There's a lot to invest in there. Um, so, like, I mean, Andy Burton. Is this is this is quite a. It, it's this is quite important now in the sense of like you know League of Ireland clubs and the potential for investment. You're like, ooh, there's a shitload that needs to be done here to get us to anywhere near the level and the cost of everything. So, say if you wanted to redevelop Talca, what does that cost like? Yeah, and that's why the multi-club model is is Andy Burton was in touch with us ex uh, Dundalk. You know, which of the respective clubs benefit more from a partnership? Um, and he asked us to look at that in general. Now, I think, listen to Sean O'Connor from the Dock last night speaking about this. Um, the multi-club model, if you're talking about the player development angle and you're saying our facilities for developing players are crap, um, where it becomes palatable is if someone comes in to build a facility for you mm. and to help. Any multi-club deal where there's none of that involved and it's just sending your players over, well, then that can probably go and do one. But I do think that the, the type of people who are looking at this are conscious of that or have to be conscious of that. I mean, Sport Republic, ultimately, they looked at the training ground and because the, they're not going to send their young players over to a dump. You know, do you know what I mean? So there can be benefits to the multi-club thing, um, but it has to be pitched in the right way. And, and I think the Dog fans made their points very clear on that. As Good point on the pitch at front, unwitting point. Well, there that so. could be relevant. Now, yeah. we want to go to Mark Connolly. He was very good. We run through some housekeeping. The collar and cuff mailbag. The best question last week is from our buddy... Uh, J Mac, 
um, who's the Kerry fan, who's who's learning. I will How say, cool is that, the Kerry fan? The Kerry fan. Like, you've already been to Montauk Park. How cool is it that, like, Treaty fans can go to Kerry this week? Yes, and the winner of the Rascals Burry Tour is Paul Minot. It is indeed. Um, so he gets um, he gets a guided tour for two of the Rascals Burry in Inchicore. Fine facility. We had um, a lot of entries. So people entries, either, they either like interest. Rascals, they want a tour, or they just want... Uh, what, gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah. So Paul Minogue wins. And this week's question is, um, how many Bohemians managers, because Declan Devine is coming up, of Bohemian managers has there been in the summer soccer era? So Bohemian in the club sense, not like... Summer football. I mean, well, Billy Baxter was a pretty Bohemian that's actually, manager. That's right? actually a good point. Yeah. Uh, in the summer football era. Um, and yeah, this is... Uh, People need to go go through the list in their head. I mean, you can obviously Google it and cheat. I'd rather if you didn't, but uh, we need to. And it's full time managers. And it's full time managers, yeah. not caretakers. There's been a few of them. Yeah. Um, but no, full time managers in the summer soccer era, which was what 2002. I think Stephen Kenny was the manager then. That's obviously a, a clue of sort. I think he was, was it? Or was it Roddy again? You need to do this information because we haven't mm. looked it up for you. So um, there we go. Um, we're going to go to our guest. One last thing. We had Mark Murphy had a very good point about this, the full houses in stadiums and the, is it possible to resell? So, so it was Con Murphy, wasn't it? Who? No, Mark Murphy, Mark Murphy. Mark Murphy was on to us. He sent us the same message twice. Okay. Um, about all the full houses, yet you have empty spots in the ground. And is there some kind of resale facility? Now, one thing I would point out, there's fire safety limits in grounds, which sometimes mean there's empty spots, but mm. the, the capacity to safe limit is is the issue. Kerry has an issue with that, amongst others. And sometimes, obviously, people just congest. So that's why there's empty seats. But uh, we got on to future ticking, and Ashling did point out that, as you know... So this was this was suggested, essentially, that you could, like, say, say if a plane, right, um, is full, but then somebody pulls out, or if it's a restaurant booking and you pull out late, you can resell the ticket, right? Right. So in theory, it kind of works, but... Yeah, well, actually, from Fidgeting points out that actually, with the 14 League of Arms of the Future Ticket, they do have this. They do have a sort of a season ticket holder members entitled to attend all home league fixtures, but the club want to sell some matchday tickets without going over their capacity. Mm. So they do a calculation depending on the opposition, the past attendances, is it a weekend, is it Monday night, and to keep the balance without causing health and safety. So there is like... A small bit of an oversale they can do, but it's decided by game. For a Bowes match, you're less likely, I would assume, to do it than for... One, one thing I don't quite get is, say if like, your away allocation is likely to be nowhere near full, can you then not say, like, okay, you have 80% of the away allocation is open to home fans? Well, it's segregation. It depends on the ground. Mm. Like, like, look at Pat's behind the goal, where the fans go. You know, Bowes in Talca this week, it's behind the goal. Yeah. If you, like, some places... And, and elsewhere. Some places that would work better than others. Yeah. So that, that is an issue. But I take your point on that. I think Rovers at times last year were flexible enough. You know, if they... Being pragmatic, I think. Like, when they go to 10,000, 10,500, could they get more into the away section for certain games. Who knows? Again, it's a security issue. But anyway, let's go to Mark Connolly. We spoke to Mark this week. Um, very uh, open interview, Mark, from Monaghan playing for Derry City. And we started off by asking him about the unusual story of how he was scouted um, as a young 11-year-old. I actually was playing Gaelic for Clonus uh, underage and then... Um uh, a man, uh, Kieran, Kieran McMahon, actually scouted me playing for Clonus in the Gaelic to go over and, and play with Monon United underage. Because um, I didn't really, where I'm from, being in Clonus and like with St. Chernooks, where all the big games are and also finals, it's, it's, it's a Gaelic it's a Gaelic town and everyone's Gaelic mad. Um, so yeah, so they actually get scouted to go and play soccer. Um, and then 
you end up going over to England and, and having a career in England and Scotland for about 15 years is I never actually once thought that that's that that's the sort of way I was going to go. I was thinking to myself, I would probably end up playing Gaelic like my my underage, my my class would have been Jack McCarn and boys like that there who mm-hmm. now are who now are the the big dogs really in, in Monaghan Gaelic football. Um, I would have played with them all underage and um and stuff like that there. So yeah, I would have been a big, big Gaelic man, so I would have. Did you go straight into centre back then, kind of as a footballer, or where did you start? No, I started I started uh centre midfield actually. I started centre midfield and then um I I actually then realised that I, could, I was not too bad at reading the game and stuff, and dra- gradually went back to centre half. Um, and I was more I was a good talker and stuff. And then when I went over to Wolves, Mick McCarthy kind of seen me. Um, I played two games. One was in centre midfield, the other one was centre half. And he straight away said, "You're a centre half to me." Um, and kind of from there, kind of kicked on and played centre half. But I definitely definitely think the Gaelic's probably helped me over the years. Um. With 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 playing centre half and kind of being rough and ready and being up for a few few <laughs> headers and tackles. Um, so, but yeah, I, again, going to Gaelic was a big thing. I actually have, I can probably speak about it now um, that I'm away from Wolves a long time. But uh, I actually flew back when I shouldn't have. I'm playing an Ulster minor final. Um, it's first revelation, is it? Yeah, this is this is big, big news coming out now. Um, but no, I, I went back. I played because what happened was I was playing minor football for Monaghan uh, at a younger age and kind of before I was moving to Wolves, we were doing well and we actually got to an Ulster final. And then my move to Wolves, I had to then move over, like leave home, go over into my digs and stuff. Um, but I was over there sitting thinking to myself and also finally in Clonus where I'm from where I've grew up uh was just something that I, I just couldn't really miss I ended up flying back uh the Sunday morning I think the game was the Sunday I flew back the Sunday morning played in the game we actually lost to Tyrone uh by about two points I think I scored two points from midfield they put me um they put me number I think it was probably number 26 or something on the in the program my number was right in the corner of the program right in the bottom <laughs> corner so that so no one would really notice and then I come out in the pitch and I think a few people noticed that I was back playing um and then my flight on the Monday morning to come back got delayed because there was a the the toaster or something in the back of the plane ended up um something happened to, and the plane got delayed so what I mean it was yeah, yeah, I had the ring. I had the ring basically. Um, uh, wolves, um, to basically say what had happened. They found out anyway. It was a wee bit of a slap on the wrist. I was, I was captain of the youth team and stuff then, and I was, I was sort of doing well at the time, and it was a slap on the wrist. I think they realised how much of a of a Gaelic head and how much it meant to me and my family. But it was a, it was a big risk I took, but. Uh, I can sit here now and say I played an Ulster minor final. Um, didn't win it, but yeah, that's a there's a there's a story for you there. It was a a funny one, like I've never heard anything like this before, Dan. To be fair, no, that's, no. <laughs> that is, and I'm trying to think. Yeah, like they must have found out because presumably this game was reported on, right? Like yeah, the game was reported. Well, obviously it's not as big. Well, back then, when was it? So it would have been probably 16, 16, 17 years ago. Um, yeah. So you know, social media and stuff. It'll be a bit different now. Like to be videos, to be big time. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I can barely get videos of the game myself now to watch it with black and white. Um, <laughs> so 
<laughs> but yeah, it was. It, they, they found out it was kind of try to keep in the hush hush, but they found out and. Um, Listen, like when you look back and you think you make silly mistakes and whatever it was, I just, I was just literally going over to England as a young lad that just loved Gaelic and I was got to an Ulster minor final, which to some people probably think it's just not that big, but to us and me, as a, being from Clonus and playing in St. Chirna Park was like, this is incredible. Um, mm. So yeah, I went back and done that there, but that's crazy, all right. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you 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 wouldn't be the first and wouldn't be the last to do something like that. But as you said, I think it's harder for people to get away with it now with uh social media. But I'm just curious that like, we have a big debate at the moment in like football in this country about you know how early should we start even you know wh- at what stage should you have elite football? I mean, it's a big discussion point, particularly with the underage leagues, and some people say they should start earlier. I'm kind of curious. Like you, you basically mentioned to us, like you, you hadn't really played football until you played until you were like eleven years of age, and even then you were sort of dipping your toe in the water. Did you ever feel at fifteen, sixteen, or when you got to Wolves, just I've actually missed out on a bit of a development here, or actually do you think no, no, this this served me very well, my rounded sporting upbringing? Yeah, no, I I, I do think I I think um, only picking one sport, I don't think it's the right thing to do because. I think for children and kids, you got to give them the opportunity to play um, different sports. I played a lot of golf when I was younger as well. I was actually, I, I played of a low handicap when I was like 13, 14 at golf also. So like right. any sport there was, I played hurling. I played any any sport there was, me, me, uh, my mother and father put me into play. Um, and then I actually got to a stage where I had to make a decision. So technically, um, Maybe if I had a played, say, football, soccer when I was younger, I might have been technically a bit better in certain aspects. But then the flip side of that, maybe the more aggressive and 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 being able to take tackles, make tackles, and all that stuff. So it, it in my opinion, in my, in my career, probably it's it was went both ways. Um, but being in soccer now, I think if we can get the the elite, the the younger players playing at a sort of a higher level against better teams and um get more academies in in the country. It would be massive, massive for mm. uh, not only for Irish football but for for the League of Ireland as well. Um, I know, yeah, yeah. I I know we're like sorry to cut across you. Like I know we're we're, we're fast forwarding a lot, right, to bring you to the present day. But I'm just curious. Like you you say you've meant you spent 15 years in England and Scotland before coming back home last year. Like what's your view of the professional football industry as a whole like have you come i mean you've you're 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 playing full time at home now but i guess yeah. something different about living away maybe than 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 being at home you could argue um i know yeah. you're, you've moved today like what how do you reflect on that experience is it do you look back with, with fondness or with regrets or, or how do you feel about it I, I i look back with the exactly with experience good times loads of good times loads of times where you're th- taking a step back and thinking this is tough this is hard because it's um Ireland is is a place obviously is, is my home is where I grew up and it's it is a lot different I know it's close to England and Scotland and stuff but it's a lot different the the culture of of the way people are like for example like where I live back in Clonus you years ago you would have left your front door wide open people probably come in next door make a cup of tea and away you go and stuff like that there so it's getting used to maybe not being as naive when you move away. Um, but also learning from mistakes. I, I think for me, 
what I found as the years went on, football felt more of a job than it did football, if that makes sense. So it wasn't like people say to you, oh, you're so lucky you wake up every day, you get to go play football. Um, for me, it got to a stage over there that it was, this is my job. This is, I, I've got a family, I've got a, a wife and two kids that I need to provide for, um, mortgages to pay and stuff like that there. So it wasn't It wasn't as if I'm over here, you're over in England and Scotland. Don't get me wrong, when you're in probably the Premier League and you're earning ridiculous amounts of money, it's, it's probably, I'd say, listen, don't get me wrong, it's tough, but it's obviously a lot more of a, you're probably a wee bit more relaxed. Whereas when you're down in the League One, League Two, or in Scottish Premiership in in Scotland, it's it's a job. That's that's how I looked at it. Whereas I've come back now to Ireland again. It's still a job, and you're getting paid to play football. But for me, it's more of a. There's more of a pride to to win trophies. You're in communities, like obviously being now in Derry, the the whole place. Everyone you speak to, you go into a shop, you go anywhere. They're they're wearing Derry City tops. They're they're speaking about how important it would be for the club to win the league because it's been 25, 26 years when we won the cup. So it comes back to more of a it's more of a pride thing also than it is of getting paid to to play football. Mm. Um, and a lot of people I think think there's a sometimes there's a thing up of oh you play football, you get paid for it, it's, it's madness, or whatever, but sometimes it's you know what I mean, you're providing for your family. We're not people back here aren't earning millions like they probably are in the Premier League. So a lot of boys will be out working hard, training hard, injuries, highs and lows. Um, so it's tough. Um, but I, I think moving back from from England and Scotland and coming back here, I think there's more of a that feeling of community, that feeling of everyone sort of everyone's together in the sense that it's a bubble I've found in Ireland that the league, everyone knows everyone. People know just everything about it. But there's also a niceness about that. Um, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's probably not yeah. so good. But there's also a niceness of you kind of know, you play, you battle, and the next week you shake your hands, you're away, and, and, and whatever it may be. But there's a there's a thing that I have noticed the most about being back here is everyone, I feel, is wanting to make the league better, which I think is massive. Like... I, I, like yourselves, there's people, players, there's people want the league to be better. And there's also a pride in it because there's a lot of people would talk about it being over in England, Scotland will not get as much praise as for me coming back and playing in the league. It's yeah. a very, very good league. It's, it's, there's some good football played. I've played in some matches in League One, League Two, even the Scottish Premiership, and they've not been enjoyable. They've been get into your back four, squeeze up, launch it that there. The League of Ireland's not like that. Um, I don't know if back in the day maybe there was a wee bit of a brush painted with it that that's the way it's just launch ball but there's some fantastic young football players and there's some really really good football to be watched it, that's again my opinion use my, use my watch and think oh, this isn't great but I personally do think there's some the football teams and football clubs are trying to push the game in the right way by playing football bringing young players through Um so yeah, so I I just think being being over in England, Scotland, you have the experience. It felt more near the end of a of a job, whereas coming back now, I feel like it's a for me, it's kind of helping also in the league to try and promote the league by speaking to people across the water and seeing how good it is. So yeah, it, I I think back home, it's we should be proud of of where the game is going, and hopefully it can keep going, keep going, pushing on. Um, go ahead, Dan. Yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, like. In, in with that point, like um 
I mean, in, in this week just coming, like you're going to play Shamrock Rovers on Friday in Tallis Stadium. Um, like what type of, is, is, is that exactly the classic example of the type of event we should be proud of, if you know what I mean? Like this is actually like, this is a top stadium. Um, it's the two best teams you would think in the, in the country, you know, that's the expectation this year. Like, I mean, as an, and you're competing for a league. So like this must, sort of to back up what you're saying, like this must compare favourably with a lot of your, your sporting experiences, the weeks like this and weeks like the Aviva Stadium week and, and, and all of that. 100%. Um, I think I think the, the stronger the teams get, not just Shamrock Rovers and ourselves, I think um, a lot has been said about Shamrock Rovers have been fantastic. Let's, um, let's be honest, they've, they've won whatever amount of leagues now in a row. They've been consistent. They've got some super players um, and they've been brilliant for the league and and for for themselves. I think Derry now are ourselves. We've um, we've assembled a good team. We're hopefully going to push them this season. Uh, we won a cup last year, which was brilliant. But the league's strong now. You look at St Pat's. You look at um, Bowes. There's there's loads of teams in this league that can beat anyone, which is which is a brilliant thing. And and the stronger the league gets, you don't really want it to just be one or two teams. I think if you have three, four, five teams competing, I think it's going to make it better for everyone. But now us going to Shamrock Rovers on Friday night, you can just sense there's a buzz. There's a buzz about training. There's that buzz of we're playing Shamrock Rovers, who are classed as the as the best team in the league. Um, and we're going there and we're hopefully, uh, hopefully going to win. That's as simple as that. Yeah, and, and just before we get back to the, the match Friday, but like I, I, the first time I saw you was when you were playing pre-season again in Galway actually last season for Dundalk, Mark, and um, I think it's fair to say Dundalk have not been the same team since you left. Was it a strange kind of thing to come back to Ireland and then leave, I suppose, in the middle of the season to go to Derry? Yeah, I, honestly, it was one of the strangers. I've, I, again, I've played professional football for a long time. The whole... The whole way of it of it working out was was crazy. It was um I had such a brilliant time at Dundalk um for the six months and and I had a, a good relationship with all the boys, which I still do. I still speak to a lot of them and um Stephen O'Donnell uh I said before in an interview that I, I owe him a lot. He brought me brought me back to Ireland, uh, gave me the chance because um mainly really when my father passed I kind of had in the back of my head that I wanted to come back to Ireland. Um why was that? Yeah, purely because obviously when my father died, one of the last sort of conversations I had with him was um, if he was to be getting chemo in, in Ireland, he could maybe come and, and watch some of the games, you know what I mean? And unfortunately, that wasn't to be. Um, so, yeah, so I, I kind of once that happened, I kind of thought in the back of my head that if my father can't get to the games, then maybe my mother could travel to the games. Um, because flying over, it takes its toll on 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 people, especially trying to come over for games most weekends. Whereas now, even a three-hour or four-hour drive isn't as bad as, you know, travelling up from Clonus up to Dublin, say, which is probably two hours driving up and then you're waiting in an airport and flying in and then maybe another hour the other side. Um, so coming back home was definitely a big thing for me. Coming back to Dundalk was... It was fifty minutes to an hour, probably from from Clonus, which was which was perfect. And it it ended up then whenever I we were trying to sort of come to something about what was going to happen. Then Dundee United kind of stepped in, and I was still a player at Dundee United. And it wasn't as straightforward as as how I would have how I would have imagined it. Um, 
and the clubs obviously didn't really come to a deal in the end. And then Derry had come in last minute and spoke to the club, and, and here I am now at Derry City. And yeah, if if you're your dad were looking down and he, he were to ask you now what what do you make a life at Derry? What would you say? Uh, uh, I love it. I, I think me I think my father, I, I know, and a lot of people know who knew him. Do you know sometimes people say, Oh, I just I, I hope he's proud of me, but I, I know for a fact he would be he'd be the proudest man ever. He used to ring me every day after training when I was in England and Scotland, and every day while I was training. <laughs> Wouldn't really get a phone call to say, Well, how are you? It was how I was training. Uh, one of them ones. So, and then when just winning the winning the cup uh, up at the Aviv and stuff like that there, and and people think maybe oh you played across the water, you've done this and that there, like that there, that feeling of winning that cup and and the pride of having me having me family sitting there, it was it was so it was amazing. Like and these boys that have in in this league that have won leagues and and cups and all that there, and you can't take that for granted. These these people have done it consistently. Um, week in, week out, year in, year out, um, and they should be again themselves should be proud of 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 the standard of went. I, I've said it to even in this Derry City team. There are so many boys in in this team that, in my opinion, should should be playing at a higher level. Should be maybe in the championship in England and stuff like that. They're they're that good, but they're also happy um, at home. They're playing football back home. They're living with their families. They're playing. In front of their home fans and their and their home city, so you can't really begrudge them of that. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I honestly, I don't think we've ever had somebody sell almost exactly what we've been saying for a few years about League of Ireland and the the beauty of it. I suppose finally, big game Friday, um, record crowd for maybe the guts of three decades. I think in a league game in the League of Ireland, and you kind of go in. Maybe you must fancy your chance a bit with Rover suspensions at the back, and just to start the dairy you've had as well, Mark. Yeah, listen, it's. I think Shamrock Rovers have got a big squad. I think they've you've seen over the years they've had injuries, they've had people out, and they've always kind of been fit to put on a, a team and, and players playing out of positions, and they've still done done very very well. So we'll not be we'll not be looking too much into it. What what players Shamrock Rovers have out in the pitch on Friday night? It's more about ourselves. Listen, we have a few injuries ourselves, so. Um, but the way the the way the manager Uri has, has assembled the team and the squad we have, we've uh, we've got to be going there and, and looking to win the football match. Um, there's no point in beating around the bush. We're, we're we're here to to win the league. We're here to fight to win the league. So um, it's going to be tough. Like I said before, you've got St. Pat's, you've got Bowes, you've got Dundalk, you've got these teams that are are looking to win the league also, um, and everyone. People will always say, "Oh, Derry and, and Shamrock Rovers are the two favourites," which, which I'd say probably we are on paper. But realistically, if you look at all the all the other teams, they'll all be looking to thinking that they can win the league. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough one. But Friday night is gonna be a, I think it's gonna be brilliant for for the League of Ireland to see sellout. I think I I seen it there recently. The amount of sellouts we're getting in in the League of Ireland is is brilliant. I think it's just now it's it's screaming out for. Bigger and better stadiums. Hopefully, I, I know it's it's not as easy as that, but I I think the the way the clubs and the way the league is doing it, and hopefully it's going to be year on year that someone's got to look at it and think right these these football clubs need bigger stadiums for for more people to get in the door because there's people now missing out on tickets, young people probably as well that can't get in and watch games, which is um which is we're stopping them from seeing uh, some good football as well. 
Yeah, that interview uh, rather reminded me of uh, the horrible COVID days where everything was done on Zoom um, and a lot of it was pretty crap, it has to be said. That wasn't. And Decky Devine has just joined us, Decky. Um, you can relate to that uh, kind of love of Derry that clearly has already taken over um, Mark. But you mentioned off air as well um, that he reminds you of a former Derry centre back. Yeah, listen, I think Mark has been an outstanding addition to Derry. Um, having lost Owen Toll, um, it was a big, it was a big gap there. I know better than anybody how how difficult it is to find centre backs. Everyone says it's strikers, but it's the best centre backs as well. Yeah. Listen, I've been around <laughs> long enough; it changes every year. Positions are are hard to fill, but you know, I think Mark going on there has has won the hearts of the Derry people with his style of play, his aggression, his leadership qualities. You know, and as I said, the off air, I think. Probably since I haven't seen somebody as similar to Ryan McBride, probably God rest him since since Mark has come in, and I think he's really he's, the the people at Derry love that natural aggression and leadership and power at the back. You know we've always had good football and centre backs and you know elegant players at the back, but you know that that real power and physical strength and willingness to go in one headers and and tackles and. He's just, he just reminds me of Ryan in, in many, many ways. The only difference is that obviously Ryan McBride was known for being the quiet, gentle giant. Uh, this lad talks on the pitch quite a lot, but having listened to that interview, you'd listen to him. Oh, listen, uh, Ryan was a quiet lad, but he still would have kicked his granny. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? And, uh, and there's that famous... And would have served her in the bar Cork. after the game. Yeah, Absolutely. the tackle in Cork. Yeah. The tackle in Cork where he takes out the two players. But You can't but watch that tackle and still get, like, as a Galway United fan, get the hair at the back of your necks, like, to think that, you know, and, and what the mountain that he was. Oh, he, was, he, was he was just a special person, a, a real special person. And, you know, a huge loss to his family, city and, and football club, but... You know, he's left wonderful memories. I remember myself and Stephen watching him playing in, in what was a junior game, a Saturday morning league game in, in the old showgrounds, right outside the training area. And it's just, he was playing for Brandywell Celtic at the time. And you could just see the, the, that natural aggression and ability to defend 1v1s and going on one on headers. And again, go back to another ex-Derry player, Darren Kelly. He was in many ways similar to what Darren was. We just a local lad that... Could have headed, he would have headed the ball further than he could have kicked it, mm. you know. And and he just he was so loved by everybody. And as I say, look, Mark's Mark's story is a sad story at the minute, but Mark has has got so much going for him up there at the minute. And as I say, the people at Derry will absolutely love love Mark. So, so how's life for you anyway? We we were just reminiscing outside about. Uh, the, 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 isn't it mad how like the football life takes you to all sorts of places? We were reminiscing like Dunfermline what seventeen years ago. Yeah. Uh, you and Stephen Kenny sort of. When you think about it, like kids in a management sense, you know, very young um, men leaving Ireland to go to Scotland. Um, and you sort of never envisaged that. Like now you think of it, it's gone almost full circle that what, 17 years on, you're managing Bowes, the club that sort of got him. I mean, Longford got him on the map. Bowes was probably the next step where he won a league. It's sort of funny how the football world interweaves, isn't it? Absolutely. Less than 17 years ago, we were 32 and 34 respectively. Going on the challenge where you're going to the very bottom of the SPL, um, having just won an FAI Cup, lost the league and goal difference, and won the League Cup. So we lost the league and goal difference for a treble, which hadn't been done since since the the Jim McLaughlin days. Um, last game in Lansdowne, I remember Stephen saying to me, "We're going, we're going tomorrow. We're going, you're going, we're going to Scotland, obviously." 
uh, first game was Celtic at home and he said they made in the change room the old Lansdowne Road and we're going to win the Scottish Cup this year as well to go with the league the, the FAA Cup and I looked at him and rolled my eyes and went right we're, we're going over here and we're bottom of the table here but we were 32 and 34 and as you say the journey that you, you couldn't map out the journey it was a long time ago but still seems like yesterday and it, it gives you that wealth of experiences and the highs and lows of this game it's 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 something that you know you'll always look back on and say what a special time but we were very close to winning that Scottish <laughs> Cup as well we went to the final we beat Glasgow Rangers we beat Hearts we beat Hubs in a replay in Hamden and we got the Celtic in the final I remember in the morning of the game Stephen says we're going 4-4-2 and we're having a rattle at Celtic and right okay Celtic had just won the, the league and we're going right okay let's have a rattle at it and the 88th minute we were well on top and the 88th minute Jumbi the right back scored a, an okay goal it was one that could have been prevented but you know you're sitting for long periods of that game going Jesus this man was right we are going to win the Scottish Cup so it mm. was like it just showed you he, 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 what, what his thought process was you know no matter where he was sitting in the league table and the 6th of December it was um, he still believed by, by by the end of May that we'd won the Scottish Cup. So, so what was your thought process then when you're driving down the road to become the manager of Bowes, whenever that was, um, what, a couple of months before Christmas? Um, there was a bit of a process for Bowes appointing their manager. There was various candidates in the mix. It was, yeah. very, it was, very, <laughs> it was very unclear where it was all going. Um, and you sort of come into it as a little bit of a left field to some people. So what are you thinking? Like when you, because I'm actually curious, right? You've been around the league forever, right? Yeah. You know, like you, you're, yeah. you're steeped in it, but you've been working in the Northwest primarily in a certain environment. I mean, obviously you knew about Bowes, right? You've been there loads of times. What did you know about the, the Bowes club you were walking into that day? Um, I knew that it was underachieving last season. Um, to be totally honest, I probably never seen myself in the management seat at Bohemians at that time. Got a phone call on the Wednesday, Tuesday, done an interview on the Wednesday. Was offered a job on the Thursday, and I was down for a St. Pat's match on the Friday. So so Craig David week there. It was uh, very much so. <laughs> Took him for a drink. <laughs> very much. So hang on, you you were called by Bose. I, I let it be known that I'd be interested to speak to Bose. I got a call on the Tuesday to see if I would do a, a, an interview. Um, it was obviously well known that they hadn't appointed a manager in a while. And thankfully, everything snowballed really quickly, and I was down the road. But as you say, I, I probably didn't know about all the work that was going on behind the scenes. I've been working at a club predominantly most of my career, local, at Derry, that was very much run by a small band of people. When I came in the door at Bowes and seen the amount of full-time staff, the community projects, the work that was going on in terms of, you know, merchandise and uh, and fan support it was it was mind-blowing to be honest um i always knew that the, the the club was a huge football club but when you get your teeth in there you see what the potential is you see you see where the club wants to go obviously it was a part-time model and the previous manager keith done an unbelievable job an incredible job in helping helping the club through a really difficult time and achieve the success he did in terms of qualifying for europe and being always at the top end of the table playing a good brand of football moving Real quality players out on a on a yearly basis, um, but what, the thing that really attracted me back to, 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 to taking the job was the opportunity of getting the club full time again. Mm. You know, every day training hard, having 
having good people around the club that was going to really push hard to try and achieve success again and not just mid-table mediocrity. So it was really important for me that the, the, the plan was that they wanted success. So all of a sudden you're sitting there and you're looking at the team on the Friday and there was definitely changes needed. The, 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 the place had gone a bit stale. So I seen out the three games, had an assessment of where we were, looked at the playing staff, looked at the coaching staff, and just felt that there were changes needed on the playing side of things. And you know, it's well documented that there was a lot of turnover of players in mm. this in this window, and hopefully that turnover won't have, ever have to happen again. Because if we do our business right, then the players that we sign have got to be the right type of players, and I think we have done that up to now. You've never lived in Dublin before, have you? No, no. How's that going? It's going great. It's going great. Listen. You think we we've moved to Venus? Stay out of coppers. <laughs> yeah. Stay out of coppers. Nah, I'm like too it. old for that. That's it. And the black but door all. Who knows well. where it is? To be clear, <laughs> yeah. Bruxelles. Maybe thirty years ago. <laughs> Don't meet us on a Saturday at around five o'clock. Um, yeah, not anymore. But, yeah, but listen, people think you've moved to all around the world. Yeah. it's two and a half hours away. Yeah. you know what I mean. It's it's not like where it's are you living? Donegal. Living Donegal for the last twenty years. Where are you um, now? Um, in town at the moment, but moving out to Navan Road in the next week or two. Lovely. So. Oh, proper Bow's country there. Proper yeah, Cabra, yeah. get on D7. there, get stuck yeah, under the yeah, people. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you end up, um, I presume like Dexter was going to be part of the ticket, but you brought Gary Cronin in and then Pat Finlan joins as well into the background. Oh, listen, I think the first most important thing at any football club is getting people on the door that, you know, are very good at what they do, right? It was probably a bit of luck that, you know, Gaz's time at Longford was, was, was up. Um... I look at Gary Cronin, having, having met him numerous times over the years, and I look at his teams and the way his teams play. I look at his development of young players, look great, and, and you know, Brandon Kavna and Brian Maher, people always looked at his teams at Bray and, and Longford and liked the way he played. I was at the playoff semi-finals and finals and, uh, and watched what was a team that probably was outweighing and outboxing compared to the other full-time setups and as is, willing as they play from the back. We're probably not the highest of profile of players. And I liked it. I liked it a lot. And I like his, his demeanour. I like his calmness. Um, and then you had Derek Pender as well that was at the club and has been at the club for a hell of a long time and knows everything about the club inside and out and back to front. And it was just a no-brainer. It was an absolute no-brainer because I think, look, as I said already, I'll be 50 this year. I don't know how long I'll be doing this, but I think those two guys have a potential to be in this, hopefully in this club for a long, long time. You know, and not foolish enough to understand that, you know, with management's a short, it's a short career. But these two guys are two guys I feel that could be a Bohemians football club for for a long time. That's lovely, yeah, because you're you're obviously the manager. Um, your eye for a player was fairly uh, well shown at Derry. What was what was your thought process when you came in? It's the off season. Like, who? How many players do I need to sign here? Like, how do I sign them? There's a shortage of players in Ireland, so on and so forth. It was difficult. It was difficult, but I think. Once we had our backroom team, like, and again, I go through it, Chris Bennion, an A-licensed coach, not just a goalkeeping coach, a man with a wealth of experience. You know, Trevor Crowley staying on with the 19s was a massive one as well because Trevor's been an unbelievable servant to the club. Bringing Martin Doyle in, who I believe is the best analyst in the country. Um, massive for us, so his knowledge. You know, people like Collie. Keeping, keeping the full team of people together was key, but we had recruitment meetings early. We knew what we wanted to go after. I knew what style of play player I wanted. Um, people like Dylan Connolly were on that list from very early. Why so? You know, because I wanted pace. I wanted pace. I wanted, I wanted people. 
I also wanted a good mixture of dubs back in the club. I think, you know, it was important that, you know, the Buckleys, the Kirks, the Conleys, you know, people that have Adam McDonald have to go and look her mum and dad in the face the day after a game and know that, you know, if they don't pull their weight, that their parents and their family will take a wee bit of abuse as well. So there has to be that identity. I always had that at Derry. Um, and I think that was important in terms of the players we wanted to go after. You know, but we also had really good players at the club, but people have, can't forget, you know, the job of Keith Dunn, Athel Abbey, what a signing Keith mm. made there, Ali Coote. Yeah, you know. I want to ask you about Ali Coote, because there would have been a view that maybe he was uh, on the way out, and there would have been question marks over, where he, I'm not sure if he was everyone's favourite person there. Um, did you have any work to do with Ali just to sort of well, look, have we, a bit of a chat and bring him in? Because he was out in cold for a while last season. I think you always have to look at, at, at people. Um, Ali was probably a bit flat last year himself, probably... It, was, it stagnated a bit and it was a bit stale from, from mid-season on. Um, probably wasn't, you know, I look at Ali, he, he wasn't the problem. He's a really talented player that needed love, affection and care, but also needed to be driven. Mm. And, you know, the surroundings was key to everybody. So it would be very unfair to single one person out and say, you know, it was because of him or because of him. But I look at Ali Coote and see an unbelievable footballer. Having got to know Ali on the off season, he's he's a fantastic person, a very self driven person that wants to do well for himself, and probably has looked around and seen other players make these moves. And you know the talent is coming out of Ali Coote's ears. It's just harnessing it, getting him really fit, which he has done, and giving him a platform to go and express himself. And you know it's very early days yet, and there's serious competition for places, but. You know, you don't let Ali Coots of this world walk out of your football club. Mm. Like that's an element of the pragmatism that you come in. See, this was flagged as a fear when you come in. All these players been under contract, but actually, mm. you seem to sort of em have embraced it in a way. Like that, you, it wasn't as if you could. You, you had to work with them in some and find a, a way. But it seems to have actually gone reasonably well in that regard because it was talked about externally as a worry oh the new manager's going to come in and be stuck with all these unhappy players listen I go back to it again we have still let 12 or 14 players out of the building yeah. um, but it, it was really key to us that we kept our best ones um, and as I say Keith brought some really good players on Athel Abbey you know Jordan Flores mm. you know like Ali Coote you know real talented boys like talented players James Clark. A young lad, James McManus, hasn't played a minute yet, but will. Um, so there was a lot of quality within the group. It just needed a, a bit of a reboot, a bit of care, a bit of hard work, and, and the move to full-time football. And having the backroom team that are brought on, they work together to try and help and improve the environment has certainly helped at the minute. When did you first meet Keith Buckley? Ah, listen, I was talking to him coming down the road that day. I was, I was, I was coming down to move to Dublin. I was talking to him on the phone and... He just brightened me day, to be honest. And the next morning, he lost three one day pats. And I spoke to him at nine o'clock in the morning. It was stupid o'clock in Australia. And again, just brightened me day and his desire and willingness. And he used to get up at five o'clock in Australia in the morning to watch all the Bulls games. Do you know what I mean? And I've known Keith as as an opponent for a long time. And always thought we shithead, like you know what I mean. He just I want, want, want to sign him. Do you know what I mean? He's just that narky yeah. wee driven winner, like and always give us a hard time and, and made it really difficult for us any time we played them. I, 
He's just a class act, and he's another guy that hopefully will be at the club for a hell of a long time. Is he is he like your starting right back now by default, or how is that working? Because I, I I genuinely haven't seen Bowes yet. So well, look, I said it after the court game. You don't want to be playing Keith Buckley at right back, but needs were most. Jay Ben come on and two and a half minutes on his debut down in Wexford in a pre-season friendly. He got severe concussion and. You know, he got really nasty bang and had to be out for two weeks. But kid's been on this week. He's trained really well, and competition for places is always key. Bucko would play in goals for us if we had to. Well, um, say like Trent Alexander Arnold at right back. You know he's there, right? So if you keep Buckley right back, it's not a preferred position anymore. If that makes sense. Like, no, listen, you, you you still don't want to be taking. I don't want to be taking Bucko out of the midfield because I think that's the engine room of the team, and he is the engine room. I think he's. His willingness and ability to get around the pitch and drive people on from the centre of the park is, is going to be key to us. But it's like everything else, you know, Paddy Kirk played at centre-back until we got a couple of centre-backs on. Jordan Flores has played at left-back because he's got a wand of a left foot and is a very good player attacking down the sides. So we have to be versatile. We, we, we haven't got the biggest budget in the world. Um, we're not we're, we're not in the top two or three clubs in terms of budget. So we have to adapt. We have to have that willingness for... The players, they do what is required to get three points on Friday night. And thankfully, you know, we, we, we've been able to do that over the first couple of games and people falling in. But, but, but again, we've got good options off the bench. Um, we've got a couple of different ways that we can play with the players at, at our disposal. So, as I say, look, it's versatility all the way and doing a job for the team is key over the course of a long season. Flores for top score, the way it's going. Like, you, you mentioned that one of a left foot. It looks like he has, like... But Flowers, yeah, I want to actually blossom. Yeah. To cut in. I think when Flowers is Dundalk, and it's, perception is a funny thing. Like, it would have been maybe spoken of at times as a bit of a luxury player. You know, there would have been that sense of totally maybe, maybe because of his technical abilities, it leads you into thinking those ways. But actually, even listening to Keith last year, even maybe leadership and things, we wouldn't. I'll be honest, wouldn't necessarily have, have seen that. But that clearly the internal view is is completely different and we're seeing it now reflected in how he's how he's actually playing i think i think if you look at, at jordan right we we can get caught up in this oh he's a six he's an eight he's a ten he's a midfield player jordan Flores is a midfield player he brings tremendous application on a daily basis his desire to become a top player and be a top player on a daily basis is fantastic um love working with him um real quality quality player um but don't underestimate the work that he puts in in terms of shifting a game on a Friday night, he, he's willing to put his tackles on, he's willing to win his headers. He's not just a luxury that you put under your team, he's no round good midfield player. And we're very fortunate to have him. And, you know, if he can keep adding goals to his game and, and keep being the creative influence he can, but also have that defensive responsibility. It's like we played three midfield players down in Cork, and everybody says they were all number 10s Adam McDonald, Jordan Flores, Ali Coote. Well, all three of them rotated and done their number six jobs and their defensive midfield jobs and put their tackles in and, and won their second balls, which is key in this in this league. So, you know, if you're going to play in that midfield zone, you gotta you gotta have a bag of tricks and everything. You know, you gotta have a mixed bag and and thankfully all the players are pulling their weight on that in that respect. So what did what did you and Gary Cronin say when you're playing three number tens in midfield? <laughs> oh, that's an all out attack, isn't it? <laughs> no, but look, that's that, that's one thing that we want to take away from our players is you know just because you play higher in the in the midfield three or, or, or two, you still have your responsibilities. You still have your jobs to do. You're, we we can't carry anybody. We're not in position as a as a team that we can we can have luxury players. We've all got to work. We've all got to do the ugly stuff. They allow us to do the nice stuff. So, 
you know, as I say, we've still got James Clark to come on there, who who's a fantastic player, real talented player. That he's some a, nice young players. And James McManus, honestly, lads, he's he, he's 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 going right to the top. This kid, he's, he comes on every day. Honestly, he comes on every day with school uniform on, on his bike. He trains hard every single morning. Has about a lunch at lunchtime. Gets on his bike and goes back to school. And the senior players are looking at this boy and going, "Jeez, he's some player." Like, and that's that. He he will get his chance this year as well, and we're going to need him. But this kid is a serious talent. Just looking at the the celebrations in Cork after the opening day, and you were you were getting into it. Like there was a real sense. Got to tone it down, Dickie. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but, but like, I don't, I don't like. I know Stephen Stephen Kenny's big thing would be like celebrate your victories. That mm. always would have been one of his things. And I, I don't know. It looked at like the real. There was a bit of feeling in it. No, I don't know. It's just a sense of think, let's let's get this going here. I think we have to get it going. Um, I think you know. Looking and reviewing last year, there was uh, there's always been a connection between Bohemians and their fans, and you know, and I felt towards especially the last five, six, seven games when I watched them back last year, there was a bit of resentment from maybe the fans towards the club, but not the club, but the players and the staff, and I think it, it, there was lacking a, a cohesion of that together. And listen, it. Everyone in this league is is deserved to be enjoyed, but we're not we're not getting ahead of ourselves. It was a bit of it was trying to just tie everything together and keep let them know that we're going to care this year. We're going to work together. If the fans can get behind us in difficult moments, and we can we can dig in in games, then why not celebrate it? But at the same time, we you know that that bus was firmly parked after after the game in Cork, and the focus was right back on the next one. And it, it was exactly the same on Friday night in a packed daily mount. You know, we get on Saturday morning and enjoyed it. But look, let's get ready for a real difficult Dublin derby now on Friday. I mean, you were talking after about uh, the club not selling its soul to to English clubs. Like you were, uh, you were aware of the news cycle around things. But like this bow's identity, and sometimes it's it's mocked a bit. You know, like that, that's, that's the but, point. But it is actually, it feels like they've reached a point in the road now where it is trending in the right way for them. I think so, and I think that was my point. I always try to watch. The night before our next game, I always try and watch the game from the previous week again, just to see what positive and, and potentially negative things happened. Watch it a couple of times, watch our opponents a couple of times. But when I sat back the night before the, the Dundalk game, everything was geared towards how great a job for us, Dunby Cork. And this is no disrespect to anybody. Um, but I had him, they had to sell, then they move on to the next level. And then you hear the, the news that, you know, with, Second, third tier club in England is is trying to take over a couple of clubs here. You know, there's a couple of clubs with we, 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 we really rich owners. I just don't think both deserve to get the credit they deserve. I think people take, take a pass up at times and I think they don't get the credit that I was actually on the Brandywell whenever it looked like there wasn't going to be a boost. And the people rallied around and the manager done an unbelievable job at the time, getting players on minimum wages. They, they, they survive. Who was and that manager? Keith, Keith, yeah. Keith. That was that when the fans were on the pitch. On the pitch the at the end, yeah. and it didn't. It, it looked. It, it was looking very bleak. Yeah. And I just don't think you know. I don't think they got the credit, and it was, it was just on my head. And look, I'm, all I'm concerned about Bulls. Other clubs can go about their business, whatever they they want. But I just do believe that there's a real soul about Bohemians at the moment, and and normally that would continue because the togetherness and the work ethic and. You know the ability to go and, and get funds by providing community projects. It's just it's special at the moment, and, and it was more what I was trying to get at. Is I don't think they get the credit that they deserve. 
Yeah. What can be achieved this year then? Try and one on Friday night. There's nobody. It will look, I but think. then, Dickie, oh. then that would be nine points out of Johnny nine, wants right? To, Johnny wants Darian to Rovers have dropped points. Our, our bows in the <laughs> tightest. If Afalabi, Flores. Go away with no. that. We finished sixth and fifth for a reason in the last two years. <laughs> where, right? where are you if you win on Friday night? We'll probably still be sitting top, but it doesn't matter. It's not, <laughs> it's not to listen, there's still 34 games to go where... We're, we're only starting. We want to make sure that we have a mindset that, you know, let's see where we can go. Um, but look, we're, we're, I don't believe that we're at the top table just yet. We're only in the door 12 weeks. We've had one transfer window. We're trying to build a club, not only just on the playing side of things. I think the ability to get Pat Fenlon back. Talk to me about him, actually. Uh, what, what, what do you want to know? He's, what, what, you don't, what that man doesn't know about Irish football, none of us will ever know. He's a born winner, a a real thinker of the game, huge experience, class for me to bounce off on a daily basis and speak to you and get his opinion and, you know, what do you think of this and what do you think of that? What do you think of this team? What do you think of how we played? You know, just having that everyday feel and touch and just no knowledge at your fingertip with Pat there being there is, is something that, again, looking at the long-term future of the club, it's something that can only benefit the club trying to get back to the top table again. Yeah, I think Bozum has some good signings, Dan. He was one of them. Yeah, I listen. I mean, well... he's a, We're obviously a fan of him on the show. Way, he comes yeah. in regularly, but I, I, yeah, I, I think he knows the game. There was a need. I think I think That's the other professional thing. football clubs need more professional people around them. That sort of state. You, you didn't mind that, Becky. Like, like, I loved like, it. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I actually like, said it in my interview. I was asked in my interview, what, you know, what, what's your thoughts on director of football? I says, well... I mentioned a couple of names. If you give me him, I wouldn't be happy. But if you give me Pat Fenlon, I'll bite your hand off. And I hadn't any knowledge at that time that maybe there was discussions going on. I, I'm just mad to know now who you wouldn't be happy with. So I'm going to, that's going to energise me for the rest of the day now, but I'll just have to speculate. That'll never go out. That'll never go out. But no, listen, as you say, Dan, about Pat, look, Pat, Pat has has the potential to grow this club. Um, I think, calling a spade a spade, too many players have left this club mm. where contracts expired and where allowed to expire. Um, there was no strategic long-term thinking in tying down our best players. So I think somebody like Pat coming on with myself and, uh, and the team of people around us, you got to make sure that doesn't happen anymore. Did you think a chance like this would ever come your way again? I mean, we spoke outside there, the amount of people with pro-licenses in this country, you get to a certain age, like your last job hasn't ended particularly well. And, and we know them, we talk about them all the time here. They drift, you know, they yeah. disappear. Um I mean, you must be buzzed that you've you're, you're you're now back in the seat. But was there ever a fear of oh God, where, what am I doing here? Well, I think look, you always have to look back and review. I I got a phone call to Estonia. They see I was in a brilliant job working with twenty ones, nineteen, seventeens international players. I got a phone call to Estonia. They see if I wanted to be a dairy manager again. I went, Jesus Christ, why is this coming my way again? Right, and I went, <laughs> right, okay, I will, I'll do it. Right, and I went back, and they had finished eighth the previous season. Had four players left at the club, rebuild, qualified for Europe. Following season, COVID came in. It's awful. We're trying to bring players on, trying to do some calls, no changing rooms. So the following year, it was a struggle. The following year, budget was the lowest it ever was at Derry, and they wanted to go all local with young players. And that's when it was very difficult. So when I think back, yes, made mistakes, but I actually done my side of the bargain quite well. I re-established. I then brought people like, you know, 
Roland Boyce is of this world, Cameron McJanet's of this world, Kieran Cole's of this world, Will Patching's of this world, Kieran Kelly or Kieran Arkins. So I look back and go, do you know what? I deserve another crack somewhere. I believe mm-hmm. in myself. I think of a lot to offer. I don't get too ahead of myself. I think I can leave Bulls in a better place in a few years. I think I can surround myself with really good people that'll help move the club along in the future. So as much as I didn't know, you don't know, you just don't know. You have a year and a half out to assess, but I back myself. I think I'm good at what I do. I wouldn't have stayed in the game for over 26 years if, if I wasn't any good. Um, but I'm still learning. I still want to get better. Um, so now I back myself 100%. When and where is the 50th? September 15th. I think it might be UCD at home. So yeah, you can't have it in the Belfield bar. You said it used to nah, be at time home. enough. Time enough. You see at home, sorry. Time enough. Yeah, Daily Mount Bar has had some. I hear the raves at halftime are quite good, but I don't think I can get on there. I think it was a younger crowd of the Bose bars at halftime. So if if we're coming to the end, if if Bose aren't top September, blah 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 blah. Easy tiger. How how do you call the game in Tala Friday? Um, in Tala, I'm going for Derry. I think just solely because of the suspension list. Um, I think Derry will come down. And even on the back of the President's Cup, I think, you know, they've got a wee bit of a swagger behind them. But it's going to be a mad, massive game, obviously. Two teams that are top of the ta- were top of the table last year. But um, I don't really care, to be honest. Yeah. You've yeah. got yeah. something, I mean? else. You got uh, something yeah. else to be doing. I actually really don't care, to be honest. <laughs> Talk is going to be... Fascinating, Dan. I would say it's, it's going to be um, it's it's a proper Dublin derby. Bose, what the way section sold out in a couple of minutes or whatever it was. Um, Bose fans, you you mentioned that disconnect that might have happened last season. They're full of themselves now. They're going to roar you onto the pitch, and I know you'll feel like uh, quite buzz. Well, well, Tal- well, Talca is the place where it really spilled over. Let's be honest, yeah. it was that cup game in Talca yeah. Yeah. where that was the breakdown in yeah. relations there you know Listen, I, I, I was watching that game I watched that game obviously and it was really a disappointment a big disappointment for Bulls fans but I've been very impressed by Shells even though you know the last two games haven't they've had a draw and a narrow defeat having watched them against some Pats I thought they were extremely mm. well organised I think they're very aggressive but also have good quality in the top very end of the very fit actually yeah. very fit you know so we had no doubts that we're going for a real ding dong game and a Dublin derby and as I say, look, as long as we leave everything of ourselves out there, um, I'll be happy. But, you know, Dublin Derbies is part of the, the you know, that's that's coming our way on a regular basis this year. And you've got to make sure that you don't look back with any regrets. Just briefly, uh, the league is class at the moment, isn't it? Class. Class. League's always class. It's always class. It's had its ups and downs and, and disappointments, you know, clubs going under and rebooting and coming back. But, you know, I still think... Still think if you have a Galway and you get Waterford up and we make it, I still say this: it should be the top teams should be playing. There should be more teams in the top division. Everybody's almost full time. That's for another day, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, I just yeah. think we've got massive clubs around the country that could really benefit benefit top tier Irish football. I, I I agreed with you, but I've come around to Dan's way of thinking. And if you look at leagues across Europe, generally you have a more sort of. Uh, curtails cur- Well my way of thinking is If everyone's full time I'm fine with it Yeah it's, but they're it's not expanding it to a 
more part-time teams, I wouldn't be in favour. I, also, I also, before I go, sorry, <laughs> would like to see a Satanta Cup back. Ah, oh, there were the days, no, yeah. That's in the, 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 the big tumbling block big was Davey that, that, that Irish League wasn't full-time. Now mm. four or five of the top teams up yeah. there are full-time. You've no problem getting boys off work because they're all full-time players. I think it would be a massive addition to football in this country if you had a Lumfield, a Glenthorne, a Larne, all coming, Cliftonville, all coming down to play. And, and Decky, like the precursor to us now, um, obviously we were involved with Air Sport. Air Sport was a, a success of Satanta. What Satanta did for the League of Ireland at that time shouldn't be underestimated. I, lo- I loved that competition. I was working for Satanta at the time and the effort and the money they put it's into the League of Ireland, um, certainly not forgotten here. Dan, as you mentioned, fixtures this weekend, like... Cork UCD um, on its own is 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 a, a massive game down at the bottom. Draw to V Sligo, Drogs unbeaten uh, so far. Sligo uh, told to back Max Matt at twenty two to one to be top scorer. Just throwing that out there. Um, you know who you are. Shamrock Rovers, Derry City at eight o'clock, uh, which uh, obviously the big one. Uh, Dundalk St Pat's, Shelburne Bows. Nobody really cares about that. Uh, first <laughs> division. Uh, will I be at the RSC? I think I will. Gonna make my the return. The boycott is over. Um, it lasted the bo- long. The bo- yeah. So Watford, Galway, um, Watford obviously uh, held by Longford last weekend. Uh, Wexford at Lone, uh, Wexford with um, no points, and at Lone with six. Uh, probably not to be expected so far. It was going to be an open league this season. Kerry v Treaty. Uh, so Kerry bidding to get off the mark uh, in a in the Munster Derby. Finn Harps v Bray, and on Saturday night, Dan Longford v High Flying Cove. Yes, and we should mention there was a very dodgy goal given for Cove last week. We had Wexford fans on to us. Was it over the line? I think VAR. We can't get the first division cameras right. VAR is probably down the road. We should remember these Monday games as well. Yes. There's Dundalk Shells, Sligo Rovers, St. Pat's, Bows at home to draw to UCD, Derry and Shamrock Rovers. Cork, I think that's a wrap. It's been great to have you in. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Um, Yeah, Johnny, I mean, we have to thank our sponsors as we always do. Yes, uh, thanks to uh, Decky. Uh, hope you've enjoyed the show. And uh, obviously, we wouldn't be here without our sponsors. Uh, future ticketing, uh, sorting out all your ticketing needs. Collar and cuff, Dan, the place to go for a 50, a nifty off, whatever you want. Uh, well, that's only, only if, sorry, you only get the nifty off if, if you win won. the. Like, can you get just, the mailbag questions can you stop, in? Yeah, can you stop? Decky probably throw you a deal. I mean, he's a reasonable man. <laughs> free shirt, aren't like, you, Decky? You just can't remember these 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 promotions. Free shirt with your, <laughs> with your suit and tie and collar. You do, to clarify, you do not get a fifty euro off in collar and collar. Hashtag fascinating. Only if you have a good question. Um, I did walk into uh, the the kitchen yesterday, and the missus just had my. Um, uh, Alfie Moon shirt just like hanging like basically up massively on top of the radiator and it was stuck out as if it were a collar and cuff deal I do love my Alfie Moon that sounds that a blood <laughs> sacrifice or, or, and we're also with uh, Rascals Brewing Company in Chicor find their beers in your local off license or pay a visit to their tap room and pizza restaurant in Dublin 8 which is actually on my agenda very soon no game in Dublin 8 this weekend uh, Pats are in Dundalk loads of big games look forward to